the application for us is this week, forgive one person. Forgive one person this week. Now, it might be a little tougher than it actually sounds. You might say, oh, forgive that'd be easy. It might actually be a little tougher. Um, especially if you happen to be right now sitting next to the person that you're going to be forgiving this week. And you're like, you know, you know, you have some history with people. It's, it's tough. It can be very tough to forgive people. But the reason why I wanted to start with the application is because of this. Forgive one person this week. What I'd like you to do is to bring someone to mind. Bring someone specific to mind. It might be someone that you saw yesterday. It might be somebody out of your past. And I think this message will make a lot more sense for us if you're actually having someone specific in mind that you are thinking about, okay, what does forgiveness look like? What we're going to do today is look at some guidance and teaching from the Bible about forgiveness. And then I'm going to share about three things. The problem with forgiveness, the promise of forgiveness, and then the process of forgiveness. The problem, the promise, and then the process. Have somebody in mind. Okay, so here's the key verse that we're going to be looking at today, and it comes out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. Just two verses. The Apostle Paul writes this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's just leave that up here on the screen for just a little bit. And when I read this, I find great comfort in the Apostle Paul writing these words. This is out of the book of Ephesians. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, to the, to the Christians that are in the city of Ephesus. So he's writing to the Christians in Ephesus, which is why this book is called Ephesians or the letter to the Ephesians. Now, Ephesus is a city that is now in modern day, well, that was in what is now modern day Turkey. So you can actually go to Ephesus and you can see ruins and you can see like, oh, this is where the Christian community gathered. This was the city of Ephesus. So Paul is writing to real people, real Christians in a real city. And I find comfort in these words because he's instructing people, real people, to avoid some stuff. He's saying, avoid bitterness, uh, avoid wrath, avoid anger. What it tells me is that what the Apostle Paul knew about these very real humans was that people were struggling in their human relationships with bitterness with anger, with slander, the temptation to malice. It's all very human in human relationship. And in human relationship, when you have things like anger, when you have things like malice, when you have things like temptations to this, there is then always the need for forgiveness. 
And so I love that even though the Apostle Paul talks about the reality of what it means to be in human relationship, he then gives very gentle guidance. After he goes through this whole list of avoid all these things, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And that is what it means to be the reconciling community. And so I'd like to talk particularly this morning about what the Apostle Paul is writing here when he says, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, there's a problem with forgiveness. I mean, if you've been in the church or a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time, you've heard about forgiveness. And you know that, quote-unquote, good Christians are supposed to forgive. They're supposed to forgive, right? But there is a big problem with forgiveness. And I don't know if uh, you ever experienced this with forgiveness, but for me, this is the big problem that I have forgiveness. With forgiveness, the problem is that there's no justice with forgiveness. Let me give you an example of this. When I am driving on the freeway and there is some knucklehead that is driving like 100 miles an hour on the freeway and I am in this lane and they are flying and they come up right behind me and it's super dangerous and then they like tailgate me and then they're like riding my bumper and then they cut around and they zoom ahead and then they cut back in front of me and then they take off. I get so angry. I get really angry. And then this is my secret hope. I hope that under the next overpass, there's a highway patrol officer. And I'm like, oh God, I hope that there is... See, I don't pray, right? I know I'm not supposed to pray for that. But I hope that there's a highway patrol officer who's got their radar gun and bing, it says 100 miles an hour and then they get pulled over. Because I long for justice. I don't want to forgive that guy. I don't want to forgive that guy that drives all dangerous or cuts me off. I want justice. And I want the highway patrol to take care of that guy. That's what I'm talking about. The problem with forgiveness is it never feels like there's justice. It's like this person is just getting off free. They're just doing this thing and they're getting off free. When someone does something bad to you, say they say something insulting to you, or they manipulate something at work where they're playing politics and you get the short end of the stick, or you experience financial loss, there is some damage to you or your reputation or to your relationship with them. Isn't this true? That in you, there wells up a righteous anger. There is a moral anger, a righteous anger against this. It's not right, the thing that this other person did. And there is a moral debt that's owed to you. Because this is what happens when somebody damages you. And here, there's a really good parallel to financial matters. 
When someone does something to damage you, they owe you a moral debt. It's like if somebody crashes into your car, they are responsible to pay for the repairs of your vehicle. And let's just say the repairs of that vehicle on your vehicle are like 3,000 bucks. And you get your vehicle repaired because they smashed into you. They now owe you $3,000. That's what happens when someone does something that's not right. They owe you a debt. Now, if somebody owes you $3,000, they are indebted to you. And then what's actually going on there is that the debt that you have, the debt that someone owes you, gives you power. Think about a financial debt. Somebody owes you $3,000. You have power. You have the power to dictate the terms. Are you going to charge interest or not? If they owe you, you dictate the terms. When do they have to pay that back? And then when are you going to take them to small claims court by which they, if they don't pay you back by a certain date? If someone owes you a debt, you have power. You have power over them. It's the exact same thing in human relationships when there is a moral debt. When someone does damage to you and you are the injured person, you have the moral high ground. You are in the justified position of being wrong. It's not a monetary debt. It's a moral debt. And then here is the really big problem with forgiveness. Forgiveness is about giving up your power. Forgiveness is about giving up your power because you are giving up your right to collect on that moral debt. You are giving up your right to extract punishment from that person, which feels like you're giving up your right to claim justice. That's why it feels so difficult. That is the problem with forgiveness. In forgiveness, we give up the moral high ground. We give up the moral debt. We give up the $3,000 and we reconcile the books and we say, hey, you know, that $3,000 that you owe me, that punishment that is due, we're going to release you from that. And who really wants to do that? I mean, really, who really wants to give up power? And we don't want to give up power. It's very human to secure power. Who wants to do that? Here is the promise. That's the problem with forgiveness. The promise in forgiveness is that we ourselves, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been released ourselves from a massive moral debt. That is the reality of our life in Jesus Christ. And that is really the question that brings into focus why we even forgive in the first place. See, because the question of when somebody does something against us and they owe us a moral debt, the question is about focus. Are we as people focusing on the debt that they owe us 
Or are we focusing on the reality of Jesus Christ and the reality of our own lives in Jesus Christ? Last week, I shared a drawing that looks really similar to this about being the Christ-centered community. And what's going on with this and the key to understanding what it means for us to be the Christ-centered community is that above everything else, our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ. See, we're not living as a bounded community. Last week I looked at there's a bounded community. Some people are inside. Some people are outside. Male, female. Slave, free. Greek, Scythian. Jew, Gentile. Are you a Democrat or a Republican? Are you single or are you married? Do you have kids or no kids? We're not focusing on the boundaries. We're not a bounded community. We're a Christ-centered community. We're a Christ-centric community. And then as a Christ-centric community, what happens is our primary focus is first on Jesus Christ. And what that means is when we look at ourselves in proximity to Jesus Christ, who's our center, it causes us to see, first of all, ourselves accurately and the incredible moral debt that Jesus Christ has forgiven us. And then in that, we then see our brother or our sister in light of the forgiveness that we ourselves have received in Jesus Christ. And so if we see somebody else who maybe has sinned against us, who has maybe done something that has been kind of bad towards us and we kind of have this kind of relationship, this is actually not the true nature of our relationship. There's a pastor, Lutheran pastor, named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he wrote a book called Life Together back in the 40s. He was a Lutheran pastor that was serving during World War II. And in his really small book called Life Together, he talks about how within Christ, for the Christ-centered community, we actually do not have direct relationship with each other. We actually don't have this relationship with each other. I mean, it feels like we have this relationship with each other, but Bonhoeffer would say we don't actually have this relationship with each other. Our relationship with each other must be and actually is through the reality of the cross. It is through the salvation of Jesus Christ that we are here. Now you might be here from when GRX started back 15 years ago. Or this might be your very first Sunday with us. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are our brother and sister in Christ. Not because we know you and we have a long history with you. It's because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And I am saved by grace and you are saved by grace. And so what Bonhoeffer would say is, when I see my brother or my sister, I'm not seeing them directly, but only by the reality of Jesus Christ who calls us into relationship with each other. Because 
That's why we're in church. We're here in church to worship Jesus Christ, who's our Lord and Savior, who calls us into relationship with himself. And as Jesus calls us into relationship with himself, it puts us into proximity with each other. And that's what it means to be the Christ-centered community. And so then I see the sins, the brokenness, the shortcomings, or the insults that's done to me by my brother or my sister, not through my relationship with them, but I see those things and the need for those things to be forgiven through the lens of Jesus Christ and the incredible moral debt that Jesus Christ paid for me. Now let me say something about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not acting as if nothing really bad happened. It's not as nothing really bad happened. Let's just sweep it under the rug. This, that, that didn't really happen. Someone didn't really insult you. Someone doesn't really owe you a moral debt. That is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is actually acknowledging that a wrong has been done. You call it for what it is. You identify it. That's selfishness. That was greed. That was ego. That was insecurity. That was an insult. There's a debt. There's a real moral debt that's owed. There's justice and retribution and punishment that needs to be made. Forgiveness actually acknowledges all of that. And then forgiveness goes one step further. Forgiveness says, yes, there's a debt that needs to be paid. And then forgiveness, I release you from paying that debt. Because in Jesus Christ, we have been released from paying that debt. And Jesus Christ paid that debt on the cross. And that's why he died. To forgive us of our sins. Being followers of Jesus, being forgiven of our sins, it is the most amazing thing. Because you are guaranteed eternal life. And as such, as followers of Jesus Christ, your eternal life actually doesn't begin when you die and go to heaven. Your eternal life is now. Your salvation as a follower of Jesus Christ is secure now. That means you are living your eternal life now. And you are guaranteed into heaven as a follower of Jesus. Tonight is a very big game for the Golden State Warriors. And so I cannot get away without a little Golden State Warriors uh, analogy here. I was thinking about this, about what does it mean? Following Jesus, we are guaranteed eternal life, and that eternal life starts now. What is that, what, how's that like, the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers? It, this is how it's like it. There's a guy that plays on the Warriors. His name is Verajal. Right? What's his first name? I don't really know this guy. What's his name? 
Anderson, Anderson Virgil. He's got like the best hair on the Warriors. His name, Anderson Virgil. How does this relate? It relates like this. Did you know this? Did you know that Anderson Virgil, he is guaranteed a championship ring? Did you know that? Ah. This is how it works. He's on the Warriors right now. If the Warriors win, he gets the ring. But if the Cavaliers win, he also gets a ring. He also gets a ring. Why? Because at the beginning of the season, Verizhou was on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if you're on that team in that year and you win the championship, you get a ring. I don't know. He must realize this. If he hasn't, I hope he listens to this message because that will be incredibly liberating for him when he plays. He doesn't need, yeah, for the minute and a half that he plays because he doesn't need to worry about it. He can go out there and play with joy and freedom. He doesn't need to worry about stress. He doesn't need to worry about getting everything right. He doesn't need to worry about performance anxiety. He can just go out there and party and play and have fun and be free because he's guaranteed the ring. He's golden either way. That's what I'm talking about. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've said yes to him. He said yes to you. Your salvation is set. You're golden. You don't need to worry about it. Your eternal life begins now. Into eternity. You can live in joy. You can live in freedom. All this stuff that happens here, really, we can forgive it. Okay, so let me get to this last thing. We've looked at the problem with forgiveness. We've looked at the process and we've looked at the promise of forgiveness. Now I'm going to get a little bit into the process. Because if you've ever forgiven someone or tried to forgive someone, you know that it's hard. And what I want to say is that forgiveness is not a one-off event. At least in my life, it hasn't been just a one-off event. When I've experienced the forgiving someone, it's been a process. And so I'm going to try to give you a few things that will help you actually walk through the process forgiving someone and perhaps even forgiving that specific person that you thought about right at the beginning of the message. So when you think about someone that you need to forgive, and again, you may not even want to forgive them, but if you want to want to forgive them, then I offer you this process. It's three things I'm going to share. The first thing that I found in helpful to create, uh, to, create to, to do the process of forgiveness is when you're thinking about this person, the number one thing, one, create a list. Be specific. This has been helpful for me. I'm a list person. I like writing lists down. It helps me be specific. See, there's a big difference about the way that God forgives and the way that we as human beings forgive. God forgives wholesale. 
but we have to forgive retail. God can forgive the world in Jesus Christ because he's God. He forgives wholesale. I find that when I forgive, I have to forgive. I have to forgive one item at a time. I can't just forgive someone generally. For forgiveness to really take root in me, it has to be specific. And if you've ever been wounded by someone or damaged by someone, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what they've done to you. You're very, it's very specific. You know what it is. You know what they said. You might even know where you were. You might even know who was around. You know. So be specific. Create a list. Forgiveness is specific. We need to forgive people, specific people, for specific things that they've said to us or done to us. You can create this list. You don't have to show this to anybody, but it's the list between you and God and you're creating this specific list. Could be one or two things. It might be a really long list. Don't be afraid of the list. Just, just go ahead and do it. Just put it down. That's the first step. Create a list. Be specific. The second thing in the process then is surrender. Release. This is the forgiveness part. That in our time of forgiveness, in our time when we're with God, we say, God, I need to release this. It's this idea that we are in a time of prayer, seeing and focusing on Jesus Christ, and then through the cross, we see this other person. And as we see that other person through the cross of Jesus Christ, we say, God, in you, I'm going to give this up to you and to the cross. And be specific. Give up those specific things. Because it's in this time that then we are giving up our moral right to vengeance and to seek revenge on that person. Because the cross of Christ is not only for us, it's also for them. The cross of Christ is also for their forgiveness. That's why we need to see in them through the cross of Christ. Now, when you do this, of course, it's forgiving them. But there's something else that might happen. As you're doing this, you also might discover that you need to forgive yourself you also might need to surrender something about yourself. Because if you're like me, sometimes what happens in a process like this is we can become very uh, self-punishing. We can say, oh, why did I let myself get into that situation? Why did I let that person say that to me? Why couldn't I think of something to say back to them? Why do I let them bother me so much? And we can become very self-condemning. And in this second stage of surrender or release, it's also very important to forgive ourselves and to say, Jesus, I need to forgive myself and release myself and surrender myself from either not being strong enough or putting myself in that situation or just not even knowing and so sometimes the process of forgiveness when we forgive this other person is also forgiving ourselves. God, I need to, God, I just surrender to you my own weakness in this. 
my own hooks, my own insecurities that got me into this situation in the first place. And then the third thing is this. The third thing is at the end of all this, come back again to reflect on the cross. After you've given up what you can for that person, don't dwell on that person. Release that person and that person's journey to Jesus and just come back to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. That's the most important thing here. That we might become the righteousness of God. It's the eternal life that we have right now. God doesn't want us to dwell in the place of sin. God doesn't want us to dwell in the place of self-condemnation. God certainly doesn't want us to live in the past of the hurts that people have done to us. God calls us to a much greater thing, a much more glorious thing, a much more victorious thing, that we, as children of light, would take on the righteousness of God. That's what he wants us to take on. Now, forgiveness will be a process. You'll find that if you forgive this other person, it'll be a process. You might create a list, and then more things might come up. And then you might create more things on that list, and then more things might come up. That's okay. That's okay. Just go ahead and let more things come up. It's a little bit like, um, you know, let's say like you parked your car under a tree because it's real hot and it's real shady and you park under that car. Uh, you park your car under the tree and, and um, that tree, you thought it was, you know, is all good, but that tree dropped a whole bunch of sap on your car. And you're like, okay, I got to wash my car. As you begin to wash your car, you discover there's a lot more sap on this car than I thought. That's like the process of forgiveness. The more we get into it, the more you might discover that needs to get released or needs to get cleaned off. But here's the important thing. The important thing is not the sap that's dripped on your car. The important thing is you've got this car and in this car, it allows you to do all kinds of things like drive and move around. Don't focus on the sap. The car. That's the big thing. The, re- the reality of us is our eternal salvation. That is the reality. And it's infinitely more important than anything, any sin that's ever been done to us. So the application for this week, forgive one person. Forgive one person. Be specific specific with it. Surrender that person. Surrender those specific things. And then focus on the cross.